Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me tonight is my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. How you doing, Corey? Doing great. The schedule is out. It's like Christmas Day, minus the fact that the Cavs never play on Christmas anymore. What is that, man? Why do we keep getting snubbed? Uh, though we do got Halloween. That's going to be a big one. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, overall, you know, we know there's a kind of a build up to this because we got the preseason schedule. We know the Cavs are going to be overseas for a bit during that. Uh, but were you anxious at all to see like the first 20 so games of this schedule for the Cavs? I feel like the NBA is in a tricky spot considering it's an 82-game season that it can't live up to the amount of hype that an NFL schedule is just due to the fact that it's 17 games versus 82. And it definitely – but the NBA differs from the NFL because it's like due to the fact there's so many, it's like you want to see what kind of stretches are going to define your season and how you handle it. You always kind of outline like throughout the season, well, if the Cavs go – six and four in this stretch, then we should be all right. As long as they tread water in terms of where they stand. So that's always interesting. I was kind of eager to see what kind, it seems like the NBA every year tells the Cavaliers are going out to the West coast in an early stretch. And we're always like, well, this doesn't seem like this is going to go that well, seeing as we usually have drastic changeups to our (laughs) team every year. And this year is not as drastic as others, but it's still like you want the team is new enough that you still want to know how it gels before it goes off and plays arguably some of the top teams in the West. And the NBA schedule makers once again gave the Cavs that luxury of being able to test themselves way too early. I think that's a gift and a curse, though, because it's like trial by fire. Like for the large majority of the rotation, you know, you got your DGs, your your Donovan out there, you got Evan, you got Jared, Karis, Isaac, you know, a couple others. Most of them, we know how they work together. We know that they have gelled at certain points, and we've talked ad nauseum, I feel, about like Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland still trying to figure things out, um, you know, from just the general standpoint of when are you going to have a big game? When am I going to have a big game? And how can we have big games together? Um, I think this is just more along the lines of trial by fire. Um, we know that the biggest, I, I would say the the biggest challenge coming into this offseason was finding floor spacing ability. And I feel like the Cavs got that and Max Strews, George Niang, Ty Jerome, etc. But uh, I'm very, very interested to see how this new look Cavaliers team functions. And uh, unfortunately, we don't get an easy team uh, <laughs> in game one. Uh, We start on the road, if I'm not mistaken. We start against the Brooklyn Nets on October 25th. And, Corey, this is a very, very interesting team, man. It's a, you know, when you take a look at the Brooklyn Nets, I think many people, after last season's departures of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and whatnot, thought this team was just going to kind of, you know, peter out. But they, they fought, man. They had a very interesting series against the Philadelphia 76ers team that was obviously, uh, you know, had out out talented them Uh, when you're talking about players like James Harden and Joel Embiid and company. But uh, this is a very scrappy team. And I feel like they got even better in the offseason. As you see our graphic up here, uh, led by Michael Bridges. Uh, Cam Johnson, who got that contract extension, if I'm not mistaken. You still got the uh, Nick Claxton and. Ben Simmons, (laughs) 
Now, a lot of people are looking at this graphic and they're probably like, um, Ben Simmons among the best players. I mean, personally, I believe Ben, as we saw it, yet another uh, offseason photo of Ben looking bulked up. I'm I'm a big believer that the dude at age 27 could still come back and give Brooklyn some some good good minutes, man. I think he may never get back to the the elite, and I use that word kind of loosely with him. I don't think he'll ever get back to what he once was, but I still think he could be quite effective for them. Uh, you look at some of the notable additions they've made this year. They brought in Dennis Smith Jr., who kind of had a resurgence uh, with the Charlotte Hornets last year. Uh, they brought in Lonnie Walker the fourth, uh, who saw some time with the Los Angeles Lakers, if I'm not mistaken, this past season. Had some pretty big playoff moments. Um, and then they brought in Jalen Wilson. And then you look at the departures, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Markeith Morris, TJ Warren. There's a few others, but uh, lots of roster shuffling. And I say all that to say, Corey, just to just to kind of ask you, how are you feeling about this matchup, man? As the first one of the season, you look at what the Nets were able to do last season and take this record right here with a grain of salt, 45 and 37, because a lot of this was with Kyrie, was with Durant on the roster, but the Cavs still managed to win the season series 2-1. So how are you feeling heading into the 2023-24 season about this matchup with the Nets? I don't think the Nets for the whole season are really going to be a team fighting for playoff contention. Maybe they'd get into the 10 seed for the play-in, but their record post-Kyrie and KD, the overall record, like you said, is kind of deceiving. I mean, they were barely treading water to get in. They played around 500 ball, a little sub 500, I believe. Um, But I I think they have a lot of good players. I just don't think they have an identity yet of what this team is going to be. It's like you have a collection of players that doesn't necessarily make you a team because you don't have a formula behind what, how you're going to win games. I feel like a lot's going to be asked of Mikael Bridges to kind of buoy this team up. And I think they could easily beat the Cavs in the first game just because they have a lot of players that could go off at a given time. I mean, they lost a lot of their floor spacing with the departure of uh, Seth Curry and Joe Harris. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but they do have a ton of talent that, any given night could probably get them to a win if they necessarily need it. So they'll be an inter. They won't be as much of a pushover as I think the common consensus is, even though I do also agree with that consensus that they're probably not going to be in the playoff conversation this year. So if you had to predict the outcome of this game, you know, let's just, you know, treat every game as its own instance, I suppose. Cavs winning this game? I would say because of the cohesiveness of the Cavs versus the limited run that the Nets had, I would say, yeah. Okay, I think that's fair enough. I'm like, I, I look at Michael Bridges, and, you know, for so long, he he's a player who I felt would have fit exactly what the Cavs needed. I mean, kind of a, you know, your, your prototypical 3 and D wing out there. And obviously they're building around him, uh, you know, more power to them. I think that they made the right call with retaining him. Um, what do you think about Cam Johnson? I think Cam Johnson's a great player. I think Cam Johnson is one of those players, though. I don't necessarily see what a leap from Cam Johnson would look like. I think he is a very quality role player. 
and he is a starter in the league for sure. I just think if your entire team is built around those two, I think your ceiling is kind of maxed out at fighting for play-in contention. I think that's fair. I mean, the East, it continues to grow. It continues to become more and more difficult to, to traverse. Um, there is a lot of you know shuffling about in the, in the league right now, um, especially with the Philadelphia 76ers, who the Cavs, you know, continuously had them be a thorn in our sides. But uh, I say that to say, man, you just don't know. Like, teams that we thought were going to be bottom feeders might surprise us. I think Brooklyn, um, I think they're kind of in that I, – I hesitate to say the word mediocre tier, but I, I think they're going to end up falling by the wayside here. I think they can challenge – for a playing spot, but uh, I think you'd be probably pushing it if you're thinking that they're going to make it as a six seed or higher, but that's just me. Uh, the next opponent up here on the Cavs schedule, if I am not mistaken, is the Oklahoma City Thunder, who the Cavs should face twice in the first 10 games, which is crazy to me. Uh, you look at what they've been able to do these past couple of seasons in talent acquisition. You know, they've continuously been a spot where people just kind of offload draft not draft picks uh offload salary and whatnot and and players and in return they've gotten a ton of draft picks which has allowed them to kind of restock the shelves in regards to the rotation we know they're led by sga over there they have chet holmgrim who i'm not yet a believer in (laughs) gotta stay healthy uh but i'm sorry chet i had to throw that shot out there uh, Josh Giddy, you know, very, very uh, phenomenal talent. Lou Dore, Jalen Williams. Y'all know I wanted Jalen Williams as a Cavalier. Uh, <laughs> uh, Corey remembers. but And then you look at some of the people that they've been able to bring in. Victor Aladipo, who, man, sad to see him get injured during that uh, Miami Heat playoff run last year. But uh, I'm glad that he's landed on his feet again. And then, you know, they traded for Ty Ty Washington. They brought in Cason Wallace via the draft. And, some of the departing players here, uh, Darius Baisley and Jared Butler. <laughs> Corey, you would not believe how uh, how hard I had to look in there to see who was actually like who actually left. Because when you look at their roster right now, it's basically the same, uh, mm-hmm. with the with the exception of those three up there. Um, if you had to take a guess at the Cavs' potential prospects at winning this one, what is it? I uh, I think the Cavs should win this game fairly easily. They're an experienced team. They are filled with veterans and players that certainly know how to win games. I think SGA is going to be in the top 10 in the league conversation very soon. But I still personally with – I don't think I am have my Cavalier uh, goggles on, but I think Donovan Mitchell is still the best player in this series, and he's definitely the best closer, I think, in this series. So I think that's usually a pretty good decider for games in the closing stretch because I think, especially with these first two games, like they're both two scrappy teams, and the Thunder are being picked by many to be one of those teams that sneaks into playoff contention this year. And I certainly hope so because I love young teams that just you can watch them grow. Like we watched Memphis a few years ago before they became the villains of the league and everyone turned on them fairly quickly. Uh, but I think they definitely will provide a good challenge to the Cavs because they're going to have relentless energy full of hungry players just trying to, you know, put this team on the map. 
and this is it, it's not far off from where the Cavs were trying to be two years ago. So it's very it'll be very exciting to watch these first two games for sure. Is there anybody on this Oklahoma City Thunder roster that you're just like you, that you're a huge fan of just from an individual standpoint? I mean, outside of the obvious, I really like Giddy. <laughs> Josh Giddy is really an interesting player to me because he's just so unique in the, his skill set. He's he's very shifty, and he's one of those players whose intelligence outweighs other gifts that he has. I mean, his court vision is insane, and, he, and the fact that he can put like the pen to paper with the passes that he makes is just a super fun thing to watch if I was like Bill Simmons doing league uh, NBA league pass rankings, uh, Josh Giddy would probably be in my top five for most fun that I have watching on a night to night basis. He was in the Was it the rising stars challenge last year? And they had him mic'd up for a bit. And <laughs> one of the things that I remember that he was talking about was, uh, you know, he was referring to himself as basically uh, when he was a young, when he was a young child and whatnot. And when he matured, uh, I found it very funny because you you just look at the game that he has right now, and he has it seems to have very high basketball IQ. Um, I'm I'm just wondering whether or not you think he could eventually get into the fringe All Star All Star kind of status. I think, he I think he'd be a talent. fringe All Star player for sure. He's definitely could be in the conversation for being like a top 40 player in the league, top 30, maybe depending on how his shot progresses. Cause that's really what's kind of holding him back right now. He has good touch around the rim. He's a great passer. He is a human stat sheet. And I think he has a, his ceiling. He's not even at his ceiling yet. And he's still this good of a player. So the thunder should be very happy with the, the, the backcourt that they have right now. Okay, so we are now 2-0, if I'm not mistaken. We got wins over the Brooklyn Nets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let's see if that holds true with our next opponent, and that would be the Indiana Pacers, if I'm not mistaken, who uh, the Cavs ended up winning the season series 3-1 against, which is an awesome sight to see. Uh, You just... You, you look at the talent that they have on their roster. Obviously, they're led by Tyrese Halliburton. They still have Miles Turner, who is consistently in and out of trade rumors. Uh, before we move on, did you think Miles Turner was going to get moved this offseason? I just don't understand why it always feels like Miles Turner and Buddy Heal are a package deal. Like you have to uh-huh. get one with the other. I think Miles Turner at this point is probably going to be a pacer for life <laughs> based on the <laughs> fact that the Pacers value him obviously so highly that no team could ever match the value that they see. So might as well keep your God knows what they view him. Future hall of famer, Miles Turner in house. <laughs> um, I know a lot of people in, in talking about some of these trade rumors and specifically in reference to the center position, uh, Jared Allen, a lot of people were thinking that, a you know, some type of deal factoring in miles Turner that included Jared Allen, um, getting miles in return would potentially help the Cavs just because of some of the floor spacing element that Turner does have. And we know that he is a shot blocker. Uh, we know that he can, what he can bring to the table from a defensive standpoint, but, I say all that to say that it's just funny to me that this dude is consistently in trade rumors. I feel like the last two to three seasons, Miles Turner is going to be on the move. Miles Turner is not going to be an Indiana Pacer. But uh, it's just it's something that I find hilarious. And then right on down the line here, Buddy Heald, as you mentioned, um, very 
very excellent sharpshooter. Um, somebody the Cavs probably also would like to have on their roster. Uh, and then Ben Matherin um, had a really, really good rookie season this past year. Um, you look at some of the additions that they've made, and they brought in Bruce Brown, who uh, who's a player who kind of thrived with the Denver Nuggets last year and, you know, is coming off of a title. Um, do you think he was an overpay? Uh, I think when you're a team like Indiana and as Cavs fans, we definitely have seen times like this. You just have to over you have to overpay to compete with big market teams and not that Denver's a big market, but they're a team coming off of a title. And that obviously is very alluring to players to want to, you know, stay and try to repeat for a championship. And especially when you're such a good fit in the system. So I think the Pacers kind of had to make the offer they made in order to even get the talents of Bruce Brown, because there were a lot of teams that Bruce Brown uh, got interest from. So how do you stand out? You offer the dude the bag. And I I certainly will never scoff at a player that as is as useful as Bruce Brown. He's no like all-star level player, but he's a player that every team benefits from having on the floor. And I really like those additions that Indiana made. It makes them a very complete team. And if they just keep riding the Tyrese Halliburton uh, rocket ship into the stars, then uh, – they they have a good roadmap to be a playoff contender this year. Ah, oh, first snafu of <laughs> of the scheduling episode. Mute. Ah, my worst enemy. Uh, the Cavs will face off against the Indiana Pacers actually twice in these first ten games. First on the twenty eighth, and then the second on the third. So Corey, just so we don't have to come back to this slide. Again, um, what is the Cavs record going to be against this Indiana Pacers team inside the first 10 games? Are they going to split? Do they take both or do they lose both? I think they're going to split. I think they'll probably lose the first game just as a scheduling loss as well. It's their third game in four days, I'm pretty sure. So I I believe this team, the Pacers are going to come out quick and fast. I think they're a young athletic team. And they could take advantage of a Cavs team that might be a little exhausted from fighting off two scrappy teams to start the year. The Pacers, in my opinion, are probably the most talented team they'll play through the th- through the first three games. So oh, wow. I think that that would give them a lot of trouble or any team for that matter with that schedule, the way it's starting for them. So but I think they'll rebound on November 3rd. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. So we're up to just as uh, the season series indicates on this note down here, that would bring the Cavs record to three and one, uh, obviously jumping ahead a little bit. The next opponent on the docket is none other than the New York Knicks, who I need not really say anything about them. They really just kind of feel like Cleveland's uh, arch nemesis at the moment after uh, flaming out against them, losing a, a basically five-game series that really never felt like the Cavs had the upper hand. Um, just kind of always felt like we were, um, you know, fighting from behind. But the New York Knicks, the team that the Cavs went one in three against during the regular season, and then obviously again one in four in the postseason for a combined two and seven, if my math is correct, which is not great. 
<laughs> we know the Knicks won 47 games last year with the record being 47 and 32. Um, pretty awesome sight from them as far as talent is concerned. You know, they have Jalen Brunson who emerged as uh, one of the best players in the league last year. Um, I, I don't really think that can be debated as much as it pains me to say that. Uh, Julius Randle continues to be continues to surprise. Um, I think we all kind of felt that he has always had the talent, but it, not until he got to New York where he really started to put it all together. Um, R.J. Barrett is kind of a uh, I don't know, Corey. You, why don't you uh, why don't you answer this question for me? It's just something I've always kind of wondered about R.J. because I saw this thrown about the other day. In a, in a redraft of that draft, does R.J. Barrett go number one? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Jaw didn't have the issues he has off the court, he would obviously be one. So counting that in, I would probably put Darius as the first pick in that draft before RJ. I think Knicks fans are very agitated with RJ Barrett, not in the sense that he's a bad player, but in terms of the expectation of what they thought RJ Barrett was going to be, you kind of thought he was going to be in the contention for being a star three in this league. And, he he's definitely his offensive game is a roller coaster it seems and I don't know if that's also just because Tibbs grinds that team to a halt offensively with the way that they run up their offense it's kind of old school style and especially with Jalen Brunson being on the team now it's not a bad thing to have a great scoring guard but those are also going to be touches and shot attempts taken away from RJ Barrett as well but um he he's definitely an interesting player i don't i think he'll be in the league for a long time i just don't i i personally haven't been able to pinpoint where i think his career is going to end up at its peak it's very it's a tough thing man it's a tough thing to kind of forecast because he's kind of erratic in in terms of his efficiency we know that you can playoffs We know he could put up points. I think he put up about 19 and a half last season during the regular uh, during the regular season. And I just I don't know what to expect from R.J. Barrett heading into what is this year number year number five for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really quite sure what to expect from him. Does he take an all star jump? Does he kind of remain inconsistent like he has been? I don't know. Um, if you ask New York Knicks fans, I think they would probably they're split down the middle in regards to how they feel about him um, based upon what I've seen. But um, I think Knicks fans should want RJ Barrett to be in contention for their second best player. I think they should want Julius Randle to become a tertiary option versus the secondary option. If this team is going to take the jump that I think Knicks fans want them to, because they have great players around them. They just need someone who can reliably be the second best player on this team. And I think Randall goes through spells where he doesn't necessarily play his best. It seems like it's season by season at this point. You don't know which Julius Randall you're going to get. And if RJ Barrett can provide consistency offensively, I think that's a huge boost for them. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about some of the, uh, the secondary players that they have there, the, the Mitchell Robinsons of the world who we know gave us just fits last, uh, this past postseason, and Isaiah Hardenstein guys like that. Um, that the Cavs are still going to have to contend with. Um, do you think, just based upon these offseason additions that we've made, that the Cavs are any like they're they're any better suited to face off with that team? Because I feel like they the Knicks 
we're so damn good at pulling down offensive rebounds and getting second chance opportunities and whatnot. And, you know, do you think the Cavs are any better suited to face off against them now? Uh, I think the spacing with, that the Cavs have with the amount of shooters that require attention on the perimeter will force people outside of the paint, which should make offensive rebounding a lot harder for the Knicks. I think the reason that they were able to, as illustrated by front of the podcast, Tony Pesta in a screenshot he posted showing how Knicks defenders throughout the series were literally not even paying attention to our perimeter players, which when you uh, aren't needing to crash the glass when you're standing right under it, it certainly helps. Uh, yeah, I think that's that was obviously it all correlates. There's a there's a huge correlation between spacing and offensive rebounding in regards to positioning. And so if the Cavs know well, if the Cavs opponents know that there's not really great three point shooters out there, they know they can clock the paint up as they did. Uh, that's not necessarily going to be the case this year. When you have Struess out there jacking up triples, you have uh, George Niang who can go out there and, you know, sink some triples out there. And then whatever improvements that, you know, players like Isaac Okoro may have made and Karis LeVert as always. So, you know, for me, I think they're, I'm not going to say much better suited because I still feel like a lack of a proven third big, and this is not a shot at Damian Jones, because I, I think he's going to get a pretty good opportunity this year. But I don't think the Cavs, at least for now, until they go out and get that or they prove to me that they can play small ball uh, at, a, at a higher level than they did in that series, I, I feel like we're still kind of uh, – we, we, we took a step up in regards to um, competitiveness against them, but I don't feel great. I got to admit that. So we know that that first game is on Halloween night. <laughs> Great. Awesome. I love it. And um, they have a November 1st game following that. So back to back. How are you feeling about these two? Uh, I couldn't tell you who I think is going to win what, but I would expect this to more likely be a split. And whoever wins the first game, the team's going to provide a counter punch for the second game is how I would predict that goes. <laughs> We are not in the business of being afraid, Corey. Come on, man. Um, prediction. Prediction. Back-to-back games. Give me a prediction. Do they win the first game? Do they win the second game? Uh, I believe they're playing in the Garden on uh, Halloween, correct? Uh, they are indeed playing at home. Oh, I, then they would probably win at home if it was the Garden. I, I think the Garden is just the – the scaries will still be there <laughs> from the playoffs the lights for those were brighter than expected, right? God, for the sake of Jared Allen, I hope he has like <laughs> a monstrous game at the garden. I really <laughs> do. Just so that meme can be put to rest. Yes. Um, November 1st, they will be in the garden. And I mean, Jared, I'll say this again for the last time. This will be the last time you guys hear me say this, this off season. I promise he said something human. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have said it. It's not something you hear often from macho guys in sports. Uh, the two just don't often mix. But he was honest with us, and I think he should. Uh, I think there's a certain level of uh, gratitude should be extended his way because you don't always get that insight. He was being completely transparent. A lot of the Cavaliers are probably feeling that way. They just didn't have the guts to go out there and say that. But it's a double-edged sword. You never truly want to hear one of your stars 
or your you know, your high end role players say that. So um, hopefully he's able to kind of get the demons off of his back there and exercise them a little bit. But if you're a Cavs fan, uh, at least from what I've seen on Twitter, people just don't give a fuck about it in the regular season. He's got to do it in the postseason. Uh, but we'll see. True. So um, uh, what was the win loss prediction on that? You think they they lose in the Garden and they win at home? So okay. Another split for me. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to, and I have to agree. Like I said, I don't feel great necessarily about you know specifically in regards to the additions we've made against this team, uh, just because we haven't shored up the, the the big position with a proven option. Um, and again, no 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 disrespect to Damian Jones. So that brings us to five and one, if I'm not mistaken, and that brings us into our matchup with. Uh, the Golden State Warriors. We're going to skip Five on over. Indi- <laughs> Come on, Corey. Let me at least get to the graphic. Uh, uh, we're going to skip on over the Indiana Pacers, who are the November 3rd matchup. We already discussed that and head right on to November 5th, which is the Golden State Warriors, who went 44-38 and 38 last year, and the Cavs lost the season series 0-2. Um so when you look at and they actually play the Warriors twice, which sucks ass in the first 10 games, I got to say it. <laughs> um, not really too much needs to be said here in regards to their talent, man. Steph Curry, um, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins retained Draymond Green at the expense of Jordan Poole, in my opinion. Um, CP3, that's an interesting one. I want to talk a minute about that. Do you? When that deal was made, do you feel did you feel that CP3 would be rerouted eventually? I kind of treated it the way they did with D'Angelo Russell, where they wanted to get an asset out of something that they knew they really didn't want or they were going to kind of like an overpay. Yeah. Uh, no, like in more in the sense of when they uh, they lost Kevin Durant, they made a sign and trade to get D'Angelo Russell in return, so at least they could salvage an asset that down the road they can maybe recoup the value and then move it onward. I think they want to give CP3 a test run. I think CP3 is going into this kind of fingers crossing that he's going to be in the starting lineup. I think more likely than not, he's going to have his first instance where he's going to be trying to campaign for six player of the year award, which is Chris (laughs) Paul. So if he plays a good bulk of the games, he should probably win it. He's the most talented player, I think, to come off the bench this year. Um, I think he could easily make life easier for a lot of the warriors. I mean, Steph Curry isn't even necessarily a traditional point guard where he's looking to feed others. Primarily. He needs to just have like the, the warriors best lineup with Curry to get open is with Draymond playing point forward. So I think I'm wondering how they're going to stagger the two of them because I don't know necessarily what they'll do together green and CP three, but I think CP3 can operate as a more traditional offensive hub for them to set up the rest of the Warriors for good looks. I think CP3 can thrive in this too because I think this is the most complete one through five he's played with for a decent amount of time in his career. I'm just like, I'm wondering, I too wonder if he's going to eventually make that transition to the bench. And I think you just look at what their starting lineup could potentially be. We obviously know Steph Curry ain't going away or Clay Thompson has to start. Andrew Wiggins, you're, you're paying these guys a tremendous amount of money. And then if I'm not mistaken, they, they just resigned Draymond, right? So, um, 
I I really don't know. Like I I seriously do not know what they're going to end up doing. Like you know, four of the five are already there. I just don't know who that fifth starter is going to be. Could be CB three, um, but there's their their roster is looking a little odd too. I mean, they added Dario Sarge. They brought in Corey Joseph. Um, obviously, lost Jordan Poole, who they who just looks absolutely just devastated there in Washington. Um, and then, you know, Dante DiVincenzo heading to New York and then Andre Iguodala, if I'm not mistaken, retiring. So there, there's a lot there that they have to figure out, but I mean, anytime you have Steph and Clay and, you know, Draymond on your team, you're probably going to be, you're probably going to be okay, uh, in, in terms of regular season play. So as you see up there, they play the Cavs on the fifth and the eleventh. Corey is—I uh, know you mentioned before we even started here—but is this a split or are they going to lose both games? Um, or do they I, win both? I feel like I might be a Debbie Downer here. I—I I might think they lose both those games. I don't know. It feels like every time this is a gut feeling. This isn't analytical in the slightest. I feel like every time we play the Warriors feels like it's like a version of the finals and I get myself hyped up for it. And I think the Cavs also get themselves just because of the, the history between these two teams, they buy into that type of atmosphere. And it feels like they almost just play antsy and frenetic and they kind of lose their cool in these types of games. So I, I'm going to set myself up to not be disappointed and say that we probably lose both. Well, I mean, I, I history would tend to agree with you. Since LeBron James left the Cavaliers, which is the, uh, you know, at the end of the 2017-2018 season, the Cavs are actually 0-9 against the Warriors. We have not won, if I'm not mistaken, a single game against the Golden State Warriors <laughs> since LeBron James left town. We've gotten close, I feel, a couple of times, but we haven't been able to actually pull the game out, which – is just sucks, man. I hate I hate the Warriors, uh, you know, with a, a burning passion, but I have to respect them from afar because of what they've been able to accomplish, obviously, um, both as a team and on an individual standpoint from, you know, when you're looking at players like Steph Curry and, you know, Klay Thompson, two of the best, if not the best tandem shooters in the game. Um, so I just... I feel that they're going to split. I think that that streak ends this year. Um, I'm, I'm hoping and praying here. They, the first, the November 5th game is at home. I think the fans could probably give them a little bit of juice. So I'm going to say that that's a W. And then I think when they are to face them in, uh, you know, in their home arena on the 11th, I think they're going to lose that game. I want it on the record that uh, for those watching on YouTube – Mac did not respect <laughs> the Ty Jerome uh, revenge tour and didn't even put the man as a notable departure. <laughs> I mean, you just look, I can't put him over there. Dante DiVincenzo played a pretty decent role for them. Jordan Poole, it was basically a six man. You could have removed Corey Joseph as a notable addition in respect of Ty Jerome <laughs> getting the space he needs. So, uh, absolute shade. Drive-by uh, shooting on Ty Jerome. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to catch. I'm going to catch real flack about that. Thanks, Corey. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I he has Twitter out. blue. So get at him. He'll see it. <laughs> I should have should have uh, edited out Andre Iguodala and put Di- Ty Jerome in there, right? Exactly. Oh man! Why respect a legend of the game when you can respect another one in Ty Jerome? 
sheesh, man. You know, you're right. I'm going to own up to that mistake. Uh, you know, maybe when this is being recorded. So, you know, you never know. I might cut this piece out, Corey. <laughs> yeah, well, then this is going to be real awkward transitional period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I think that brought the record to for you because you think they're going to lose both of these games. That brought the record to it five, be five and three. three. Yeah. Five and three. I think. Yeah, we may have we may have missed a game here and there, but that's okay. Um, the final game and during this ten game stretch, if I'm not mistaken, if my math is correct, comes against the Sacramento Kings, which is on November thirteenth. Now the Kings, man, it's uh that's going to be an interesting one because they play some fast basketball. They're led by former Cavs head coach Mike Brown. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis, Harrison Barge returned. I really didn't think he would, especially after his playoff performance. Um, Malik Monk, who's very good off the bench for them. Keegan Murray. Um, some of their additions include, of course, Darte, uh, Chris Duarte, who they traded for, Kobe Jones, and Jalen Slauson, who came via the draft, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, some of the players they lost. Matthew Delavadova, old friend. Uh, Matthew Delavadova. Um, who remains on the free agent market, Rashawn Holmes, and then Terrence Davis. Um, does this matchup scare you at all? Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting because I feel like we played them at a similar point last season in the beginning of the season, and the Cavs watched their lead evaporate in the fourth <laughs> quarter and never get it back. So I hope they remember this from last year and they come out against Sacramento knowing that this team is ready to play some good basketball. They were a major threat last year in the West. It took a veteran-laden Warriors team that knew how to win games to to barely knock them out. I mean, that was a fun-ass series to watch. Just like as an outside spectator, that was some fun basketball. I think people are forgetting about how good the Kings were and that they could easily make a similar run like that again in the West. I feel like I, I want the Cavs to win this, so I am going to say it's a win because, God damn it, that, li- that loss pissed me off. I mean, it was a brutal one, man. I mean, it was, it was one of those ones where you had the feeling that it was going to happen. Like, sometimes you can just feel the energy shift in, in the building, and that game was no different. I think that uh, just the style play that they have, the, the, the speed at which they play, I just don't like it. Um, I'm hoping for a W, but you just never know. Um, very, very happy for, for Mike Brown getting the opportunity there after spending years with the Golden State Warriors. I think it's heavily deserved that he had some success with them because I always felt like, and, and you know, feel free to express your opinion on it, but I always felt that Mike Brown deserved another chance. That uh, that last Cavs season was a rough one. The Lakers <laughs> season was worse, <laughs> and I'm glad he did get another opportunity in the league. I was kind of shocked he did. I feel like he kind of made that permanent transition to like to, just the assistant. to the assistant. But you know, Steve Kerr breathes life when your team is absolutely dominant in the league for quite some time. People are like, you know. Why not just see if he has another thing? I mean, who was also signing up to be the Kings head coach at that time as well? I mean, the Kings were looking like they were just in purgatory forever. So props to Mike Brown for being able to bring this team to the next level. And I'm very happy for him that he can continue being a head coach in this league. (laughs) 
Um, you know, you just look at this team and I, I'm wondering whether or not, and I'm, I'm choosing to believe that last year wasn't just kind of like a flash in the pan, just kind of miracle. Um, I really think they made a lot of progress last year and I think that's going to uh, sustain itself. So I think they're going to have another pretty good season. You never quite know what the West is going to shape up to be just like the East. It's just, there's just so much fluidity in regards to some of the roster upheaval across teams. But, um, I think this team is going to be uh, one to keep an eye on again. I mean, they 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 brought the Warriors to the brink there. Um, you know, just a couple plays would have went their way, and we, we could have been talking about the Warriors. Uh, you know, well, not the Warriors, the, the Kings up there. So you just never quite know. For me, I think the Cavs are going to end up winning this game, um, and I think that brings my win-loss total to 7-3. I think that brings Corey's to 6-4. and four. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Corey, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But um, you just look at that 10 game stretch. You have, you know, you got the Nets, you got um, you got OKC twice. You have the Pacers twice. You have New York twice. All these fucking back to backs. Uh, and then the Kings, you close out against the Kings in that first 10 games. Um, well, the back to backs are due to the league trying to cut back their uh, carbon footprint. That was implemented last year. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, I, I love it from like a you know green standpoint, but um, just <laughs> for the record, Mac doesn't care about the planet. <laughs> He's trying to backpedal. He's like, yeah, no, this is fucking bullshit. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm a big eco guy. <laughs> I recycle. <laughs> I don't know where it goes, but I, I throw it in a bin. I recycle. Oh, funny story, dude. I mean, not to get off the topic here, dude. You know, I just moved into my new space here. You see my wonderful setup back here, guys. You know, I love Iron Man. If, if, if I've never said that on the pod, I mean, like a huge comic book guy and Iron Man just happens to be my favorite superhero of all time. But that's besides the point. The point is somebody stole my fucking recycling can, bro. <laughs> Good, because they know you weren't going to use it. <laughs> somebody <laughs> stole my shit. Like, I'm just like. I recycled it. <laughs> Ah, recycle ops. Uh, If any any of you are office watchers, oh man, yeah, they got me. They jacked me. Uh, But just to kind of tie a bow here, um, six and four for Corey, seven and three for me. I think either of those, just looking at these uh, these opponents, is pretty good. Uh, Corey, any closing thoughts on this first 10-game slate here? Um, do you think that the Cavs could surprise us and uh, just completely sweep? Uh, probably not. And if we've <laughs> learned anything from past seasons, just because you start off hot doesn't mean shit. Because remember, the Timberwolves started off the season real hot like three seasons ago. And everyone's like, oh, shit, here come the Timberwolves. They got to take this leap, and uh, they crumbled, crashed, burned, and then didn't get recycled by Mac. So they truly (laughs) – you took shots at Ty Jerome. (laughs) He hasn't even taken a single dribble for the Cavs yet. Hey, hey, I'm – well aware that Ty Jerome's ha- Ty Jerome has a wonderful opportunity on his hand should Ricky Rubio not return. But he's not a notable addition, according to Matt. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I put the Cavs up there, if I put the Cavs up there, I would definitely include him as a notable addition. And how is he not a notable subtraction? <laughs> 
But just look at the talent that left in front of him. Jordan Poole, Dante DiVincenzo. Andre, okay, I will give it to you. I should have put him <laughs> over Andre Iguodala. But that's respect to finals MVP and former champion. You put that Ty Jerome was a notable addition. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like that's a good way to cut it here, guys. Um like we always tell you, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at iscavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be included in the very, very vacant <laughs> iscavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to iscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we will send you an invite. That said, go Cavs. Have a good night.